Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Paulina Poroskova is the author of No Filter, The Good, The Bad, and The Beautiful. By the way, I loved this book, and I've known about, obviously, Paulina because she's been a model and an actress and everything, but we really connected on this podcast, and I loved talking to her and all of her Instagram posts. If you are not following her at Paulina Poroskova are amazing and authentic and real, and she talks about aging and authenticity, and she just tells it like it is, which I love. So anyway, this is her bio, and be sure to pick up No Filter, The Good, The Bad, and The Beautiful. Paulina Poroskova is a Czechoslovak-born writer, a former model. She was the first Central European woman to appear on the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue in 1984. 
1988, she became one of the highest paid models in the world as the face of Estee Lauder. She has starred in 16 movies and a slew of TV shows as an actress, and she has served as part of the judging panel on Cycle 10 of America's Next Top Model. Her debut novel, A Model Summer, was published in 2007. This is her nonfiction debut. Welcome, Paulina. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your absolutely beautiful book, No Filter, The Good, The Bad, and The Beautiful. Hello, and thank you for having me. So pleased to be here. Oh, I literally dog-eared, like, I don't know if you can see this, every other page. You had so many poignant, really heartfelt moments. You left nothing on the table. You were so open and I learned so much about you and your loss and grief and heartbreak and all the rest. And so I just wanted to say thank you. I know in the back, you said you wrote it in like three months or something crazy. I did write it in three months. Oh my gosh. So tell me the whole genesis of this project and everything else. Okay. Well, first of all, just thank you. Thank you for reading it. And, and, and I guess I, I, I don't know how I can thank you for, for liking it because <laughs> it wouldn't really be your fault if you didn't, but thank you anyway. I, I so appreciate it because, you know, when, obviously when we write a book, it's, you know, it's pouring out your insides to the outside and the reception of their office is, is it, it works differently than like, you know, judging you from the outside and going, well, you're too old or you're not pretty enough or you're not tall enough or you're too fat or whatever. It's, you know, it's got so much more weight when it's, when it's your insides that you're letting the outside world see. So how this book came about was, it was actually Maria Shriver contacted me kind of out of the blue. I didn't know her. I mean, of course I know who Maria Shriver is, but I didn't really know her personally. And she contacted me because she followed me on Instagram and she said, Hey, uh, how would you feel about writing a book for me, for my new imprint? You know, and she has an imprint called the open field where she publishes only a few books a year with a few, I don't have the exact number, but she wants to sort of publish books that will make the world a better place. And she was I had gotten like 20 agents contacting me and asking me for like a memoir tell-all. And I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> and that will, you know, I'm not old enough to write a tell-all. Thank you very much. And, she, and Maria sort of approached it with like, I would like you to do it sort of the way that you do your Instagram, you know, like write about the stuff that you write about on Instagram, about your beauty, you know, about beauty, about grief, about, you know, your perspective as middle-aged woman and starting over. And that got me really inspired. I thought that I can do like, oh my God, that, that could be really fun. And then I went into the jungle to join a reality TV show <laughs> where I had like no food, no sleep and completely wrecked my already not great hips. <laughs> and when I came back, it was right before Christmas. I mean, like right before December. And I couldn't walk. I like I couldn't walk upstairs. I was so screwed from this uh, physical experience. And then Maria kind of came in and said, "Okay, do you want to sign the contract? And can you deliver March first? Which gave me exactly three months to finish the book. And I thought, well, I'm not able to walk or do anything else. So, so yes, because I also can't refuse a challenge. I think I'm a little. I think I'm. I, I have a problem. I, I, if you challenge me. <laughs> I have to, I, I, I will do any challenge that I'm faced with. So, so I took it on and, and 
and, and did it. I mean, I had like no days off. I woke up and I wrote until my brain turned off and sometimes in the late afternoon or early evening for three months straight. No, no breaks, no weekends, nothing. Just wrote. And there you have it. That's the story of how I wrote my book. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like revisiting? I mean, there are a lot of chapters or short essays in here that are just so emotional. And you talk so much about what it was like to lose your husband from whom you had been separated, what happened after the very public cutting out of you of his will and how you had to deal with that. And not to mention the the private pain, but also the public issues that come with being a public figure. I just imagine some of these chapters, you must have been just sitting there with like tears pouring down your face. Were you, or is that just my imagination? You know what? That's a really good question. No, I don't think I was writing anything with tears pouring down my face because I think this is true for a lot of authors and, and it's that you, you, you take the outside, you know, the events from the outside and you pull them in and you sort of have to marinate them. It's like they have to turn into fertilizer, you know, inside you. And so I had been in the process of converting all this external information that, you know, changed my life and had me starting up from, from zero, basically, for two and a half years when I sat down to write the book. So the, the events had sort of, they had become done. They, they were, they were, they were, they were, I had processed them. And so now I just had to put them on paper and try to be as honest as I could. So, because I wanted you to be able to share my experience with me. I mean, I, I feel like that was the whole point of, it's, it is the whole point of my writing, whether I'm writing for Instagram or whether I'm writing an article or, I've, you know, whether I'm writing a book is I want to pull you in with me. I want to pull you into my brain with me. Yep. And so then the the challenge was really just the actual words, you know, like and the actual metaphor and the simile and the, you know, am I describing this the way that where I feel like I can reach you, you know, and it didn't. It wasn't until I was recording the audio version of it, which was a, a week ago, where I actually got to read, well, I read the book out loud anyway, because that's what you do, right? Make sure that everything flows right. But I sat down to actually read the finished work, and it was with the emotions that I wrote it with. And that's when I started choking up when I was reading. And then I thought to myself, <laughs> kind of patted, patted myself on the head and went, yeah, it has, if it's like I, when I'm reading it and, and, and I have to catch myself because I'm having a hard time breathing and, and tears are welling up, then I access the emotion that I'm meant to access. Yes. That was a really long answer to our That's okay. No, it's totally fine. Actually, it it go it goes with what you say in the book about how you got through grief and heartbreak to begin with, which is that by analyzing it, that was your only way was to somehow like set it apart, intellectualize it, see it, and then you were able to like take your first steps through it. Exactly. You actually you might be the first person that that actually spotted that, that, that took that, that got that. And it's absolutely accurate. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. there was no other way to do things. 
Yeah. You're, no, the way you wrote about grief, and I, like many other people, have been through grief myself. And so I feel like I'm particularly attuned to how other people experience it and ways that they write about it. And I, I love to read about it. And I don't know, I'm like a glutton for punishment. But anyway, but you write, hold on, I want to find the passage that was particularly beautiful. Is, is it okay if I read a paragraph or two? Oh, I, you have no idea how thrilled I am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and you probably relate to this because you said, I read every book on heartbreak I could find. All the books advised me to distract myself, take dance classes, travel, go out with your friends. But none of these things were possible now that a pandemic had shut down the world. My friends and family had already borne a year of my grief and they were also isolated and unhappy. Calling them to cry again seemed selfish. Everyone was suffering. People were dying. My heartbreak had all the importance of a summer cold, but that didn't make it hurt any less. There were only two pieces of wisdom from all the books that I really found helpful. One advised me to change my ex-boyfriend's name on my phone so he became Mr. Emotionally Unavailable. The second was from a Buddhist book that advised me to allow myself to give into my pain and physically trace it. Where does it start? How does it feel? Observing the pain gave me respite from thinking about the cause of the pain. I noticed that the pain formed in my chest and radiated up my throat into the back of my mouth and my nose to spill over into my eyeballs. While the physical pain of grief feels like a tall, strong, cold person gripping you from behind, arms crossed over your chest and forcing your air out, the pain of heartbreak is more immediate. It is someone plunging their hand into your chest, taking a hold of your heart and crushing it between their fingers. Wow. That is powerful stuff. And, and, and right now I'm willing up with tears, <laughs> which seems kind of, I'm like, inappropriate to you reading my words. I'm sorry. No, don't be um, silly. I, you know, when I wrote that, like when I wrote that, I was still hurting so badly when I wrote that. And the fact that there's one person in the world <laughs> whom that resonates with is such a gift. I mean, it's, I'm going to start crying. So that's, that's what a gift that is. Thank you. No, it, I mean, so much of this resonated with me and so much was, will resonate with so many other people. In addition to all of the really deeply emotional stuff that you have in here, you also gave me a really interesting look at what your early life and what life in Czechoslovakia was like. Your chapter, Occupation, which comes later in the book, I found absolutely fascinating because you talk about being a young girl in Czechoslovakia. And also, by the way, your whole thing where you became this well-known girl trying to flee and go to Sweden. And oh my gosh, what a crazy upbringing you had. But how you then... So you tell us all about what it's like living in this communist country and having, you know, being afraid to turn in your parents when they say something anti-Russian and what, like living with that fear. And then how you extrapolate that onto your relationships and how this feeling of occupation actually makes you feel secure because it's so familiar and what that does to your relationships. Like talk about that. Wow. Well, you know what, this essay that's fun. It's funny because this essay kind of poured out of me when I was, I had gone to Israel for a wedding while writing every day. This is when Ukraine was invaded by Russia. And when I heard that news, it just, I mean, it, you know, it does things to you. It's like, this is like my, my life kind of coming back to me and then looking at the Ukrainians and going, oh my God, it's happening again. And, and, and that I didn't foresee was going to happen in my lifetime again. And so it just brought all this up. It just brought all this, all these feelings and all of that up. And I had, I wrote it just as an occupation of, you know, of the soul and the mind and how dangerous propaganda is and how dangerous, what the real danger of occupations are. 
And the end, which where I kind of that where I circled around to relationships and occupation, that was like the very last little bit. Like I, I, I was finished with the essay and it was my editor and my reader, Carrie Egan, who read it. And she said, is there something more? I feel like there's something more to it. Like there's something more like, think about it for a second. And then it just kind of clicked in my mind. I went, oh my God, this is how it ties into the rest of my life and the rest of, and also my book. And funnily enough that my, my friend Ann Patchett, who was kind enough to give me a really awesome blurb, that was her favorite essay. She just, she said that was like, I, the way you circled around to that just kind of blew my mind. And and it was accidental, like most things in my life, <laughs> completely unpremeditated. And it's just, you know, you you leave yourself open and yeah. vulnerable, and and things come out. And especially when you have the benefit of somebody prodding you a little bit and going, think about it a little more. Mm-hmm. What else do you think? What else is there? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's kind of like therapy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was gonna say this. Yeah. I, I want your editor to like talk to me for sixty to fifty minutes a week or something. <laughs> no, truly, she did. She actually did a lot of that during this book because I had I was on such a short timeline. I I needed somebody to to read the stuff and go. Yeah, you know this 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 sucks. This is good. <laughs> go this way. Do not go this way. But the but back to the occupation part. I, when I wrote those words, I didn't even know how true they were, mm-hmm. and I just I literally just caught myself like maybe yesterday. You know, again, I'm out there dating and doing, <laughs> doing all of this stuff again, and, and, and realizing how how vulnerable I am to love bombing. You know that term, <laughs> love yes. bombing. Yes. And I was like, oh, damn, I fall for it every time. And I think that, and that's, you know, that hooks back into this like sense of being, wow. of being safe. Like I, I take you, I claim you, you are now mine. <laughs> and that to me still represents safety or represented or emotionally still does. And as logically I'm looking at it from the outside going, be careful, be careful because you're going back into that same groove that is actually dangerous. That is not what you want. So I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling with it. Like logically, I know all this stuff emotionally. I'm still trying to get stronger. Isn't that, that's the way it always goes, you know, (laughs) at least you get the first, you got through the first part. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. So here's my question. Do you read palms over Zoom? Ha, no, sorry. I can't okay. see them well enough. Oh my gosh. I was like, I wonder if she could tell me that when you said that, and for, to, for context from people listening, um, so you read palms and even though it's not the way it goes necessarily in guidebooks, you have your own system and you can literally, you, you had someone who you told might not live that long and then like died the next day in that car crash, which by the way, you should have seen me like in bed, like reading your book being like, <gasps> I can't believe that that happened. But what that's a gift too. Do you still do that? Do you still read people's poems? I still do that. And if I, and especially if it's somebody, well, I mean, I'm happy to do it for, for anybody if there's, you know, if there's time and, and if, the, if the place is right. But I don't think I could, I don't think I could find a, a partner without first checking their hands at this point. <laughs> Which is a little embarrassing because it's again, like I say in my book, I'm not even sure how much, how much I believe it or how much faith I put into it. I mean, I am aware that this is, you know, one of these faith guided things. It's not science for sure. And how much verity do I want to give this? But unfortunately, it hasn't failed me in the past. <laughs> and I kind of wish, I wish it had so that I would be a little bit more on the fence about it. Instead of like the more I read, the more I think, oh, damn, it seems to, seems to be accurate. It seems to work. Well, maybe, maybe you could somehow tie that into your book tour, you know, book tour and readings. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That would take a really long time. <laughs> that would be a long signing line, but you know. <laughs> well, I would be remiss without discussing beauty and aging a little bit because, you know, as an aging middle-aged woman, I mean, we're all aging, right? But of course, this is very top of mind in, in your chapter when you were describing you know, all the lasers and how you were in your jammies, you know, with your big glasses for the UPS guy or whatever. And you're like, why do I do this? Why am I subjecting myself to this? And by the way, your skin looks amazing. So whatever you did, like, well, thank you. Really uh, there is nothing, there's nothing more important than good light. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me for a minute just about, 
you know, you have this literally like the siren call for women aging in the back of this book. Like if anyone is ever feeling worried or sad or discouraged about their changing body, you have several pages literally as if you were talking to me or to anyone. Like there's a reason, like your laugh lines are to be celebrated. It means you've had, I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful, powerful like, I don't even know, mandate to appreciate age and what it does to our bodies. So tell me about your views on that. Oh God. It's so funny. Cause it's like, I have so many and yet it, it, well, I, I think mostly because I'm still also in the process of battling with it. You know, it's like, I'm not done learning here either. I was actually just right. Trying to write a post about it for Instagram today about how so obviously in the book i'm talking about how and i really do feel this that that you really feel the objectification of women in how we're not allowed to age looking wise how we're not supposed to look older and that's like that's being objectified as a piece of art or as a thing right because nature is forever changing so nature which is what we are is dismissed and we are being objectified we're not allowed to change, although the change is nothing but natural. We're, and that change is not celebrated. It's frowned upon. So that's kind of like, that's, in the, that's always in the back of my mind. It's like, but this is a natural process. Like what would happen if we celebrated that process instead of put it down? What if we, instead of trying to hide it, we're highlighting it, you know, all of this stuff. But then of course you have, there's so many conflicting pieces of information and and society where at the same time women that you know want to feel better about themselves and want to feel more confident do things like i do too lasers and you know and some do botox and fillers and facelifts and whatever to stave off the aging process and i used to be very judgmental of it when i was younger because i was younger and i was an idiot <laughs> um, <laughs> Truly. And now that I'm, you know, 57 and I'm like, oh, oh, I see. I see what is going on here. It's just, it's a desire for us not to be dismissed from the main table because of the way we look. And it's like by purchasing a little bit more youth, we get to stay around and 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 get heard and be seen. Like who's okay with being dismissed? Mm-hmm. You know? And so. And and as a woman, you're like kind of screwed both ways, aren't you? Because if you do do interventions, then you're not embracing your inner beauty and your confidence as a woman. And you're setting back all the other women that are trying to. And if you're aging naturally, well, then you get dismissed from the table and then you have to become a loud mouth. Then you have to like stomp and yell and go, hey, attention over here. So like you can't win either way. And that's not that's like, that's society. That's, that's history. That's culture. There's so many things involved in that, that sometimes I feel like, you know, I was being called an ageist advocate. And then I think, well, yeah, but it's kind of like, I'm, I'm just one person. Like I can't change the entire view of, of our society just like by myself here. And so I will cave, you know, I do I do have a little holes burned around my eyes and hopes to grow a little more collagen and like go and do whatever lasers that are on offer that promise me a slightly smoother skin in the hopes of 
not being dismissed so easily. And I can't tell you where I'm at with that. Like, I really, I'm still, I'm like, I'm, I'm like in the middle of that seesaw going this way, this way, this way. I, I, I have no idea. So I look to other women for inspiration and, and I find that I get inspired by women that are unapologetic about whatever choice they make, whether they choose not to age, be unapologetic about that. And I also admire the honesty that goes with it when they say, yeah, I've had tons of stuff done. This is what I've done so that you can know. And if you want to look like this, this is what you can do. Like, I really appreciate that sharing Yep. because I do, I, I, I get a little discouraged when somebody, you know, is my age and looks 20 years younger. And they tell me that it's water and yoga. And I'm like, I know it's <laughs> Oh yeah. It feels like you're keeping you're keeping it for yourself, which they have all the rights in the world to do too, by the way, to keep it private, to keep it to themselves. It's just as a woman, I appreciate the sisterhood reaching out and sharing. So I want to be that sister. I want to be the one that shares. And then the other unapologetic one is, you know, is is just taking the age on, going, This is who I am, this is what I look like, and screw you if you don't like it. And that's kind of I, I think that. That's what I'm striving for right now is it's not so much the looks part as it is being unapologetic about who you are, like fully accepting yourself and putting it out there and going, this is me. And if you don't like it, you don't have to look at me. It's okay. You don't have to listen to me. It's all right. Avert your eyes. (laughs) Easy. You know, it's easy. You just go like this. Yeah. I also really like to share openly about my feelings on Instagram. And I posted this weekend about how I just feel like my aging has become something very much that I cannot ignore. And not just that, but you know, I have a more sedentary lifestyle now that I'm like running this business and doing all the stuff. And so I've like put on weight and I feel like at this age, it's so much harder and the hormones and da, da, da. I mean, I said it in a nice way, you know, like, in a, oh, I have to, I have to look yeah, that go up. Check it out. Yeah, um, but I was like blown away by the comments of how, how desperate women are for someone to talk just like people are for you. Like people really need role models for getting older and people voicing it and not being like ashamed to discuss it. And it's, it's happening to everyone. Like we can ignore it, but like there are all these forces at work. And if we can't talk about it and share that, like, it's a challenge, you know, it's something, no matter what, we have to decide what course we're on, like what you were saying, either or on the seesaw. It's like, well, I either have to rush back and get my highlights done or not, or like, you know, like, and and I find myself all the time being like, okay, so you chose to go great. Talk to me about that. You know, like people I barely know. So anyway, all, all to say, I, I feel like obviously you've seen from all of your beautiful posting and your book and everything and my like little dabble into it, just the 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 cord, the very like raw nerve that this hits with women of a certain age. Well, because it's kind of a miserable place to be, right? Because there, <laughs> there is like a weird expectation that you cease to exist at a certain age. Like what women over over their fertility bearing years do seems to be of no significance to anybody, and that's like I, the strangest thing. And yet, it's actually the most 
amazing, fruitful time of a woman's life. I mean, you have not as many responsibilities. You are so, you have all this wisdom and power and intellect. And it's like, watch out world. And like, people are looking the wrong way. It's, it's oh, unquestionably. And I agree, but, but, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe in part it is that we do, just we we get more and more powerful. Yeah, it's like we are no longer the minder of the family and the moms, and we no longer define ourselves through providing and nurturing somebody else. It's like finally you get you back, and you have learned all of this stuff. At the very least, you have some pretty damn good organizational skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? And I think maybe it's easier for the world to to dismiss us so that we don't become too powerful, yeah. you know, and we, and we, and we are dismissed on the basis of our looks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, men. Uh, not on the basis of our knowledge or, or power or, you know, everything else that we are. It's our looks that will have us pushed away. It's our looks that make us invisible. And I, it almost starting to seem like, like it's designed, like it's intentional mm-hmm. because there is nothing as strong as a, confident seasoned woman case in point look at you (laughs) i'm still working on it (laughs) oh my gosh well paulina this has been so much fun i wish i could talk to you all day and like go shop for wallpaper together and like you can read my palms and we can hang out and talk about aging (laughs) well Libby, where do you live i'm on the upper east side so i'm here you're a new yorker Actually, in the cards. It's in the cards. I can actually hook up and I can actually read your head. I so. would love that. I would love it. Really. <laughs> awesome. I, you know what? I'm I'm totally in the market. Like I I was gonna say for new friends, but no, I just I have all the freedom in the world now to meet new people and, and form new contacts and friendships. And it's like the greatest thing about life. Yes. So I agree. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. I mean okay. a girl who reads. I'm <laughs> A lady who reads. <laughs> I wrote a memoir too, by the way. <gasps> I, and so we I could talk about we could talk about that. <laughs> well, I'm going to read it, and then we can talk about it. Okay, fantastic. I'm going to purchase. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really. I mean, honestly, you never know what you get when you open a book, and this was just such a gift. Really was, and it hit me at just the right time. And that's the greatest thing about books when they you really find your people. You yeah, have so. no idea how like, I'm going to float on clouds for the rest of the day. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms. Don't have time to read books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at moms. Don't have time to read books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.